Hello all and welcome to When We Grow Up, the podcast time machine where we go back and ask the question of our past selves, what do you want to be when you grow up and the journey that took us on? My name's Steve and each conversation I ask the same core questions to my guests and we get into the mindset of our childlike selves and see what took us through that ever-expanding question. At no point do I ask my guests to reveal what they do for a living, as I know some people may not want to or can't, unless of course they happen to achieve what they set out to do all those years ago. My guest this time is Mark Adams, and I know them primarily through wrestling. I believe it or not, I've known Mark for the better part of 10 years. And in the last year or so, I think Mark's kind of become a lot more of a sounding board, a lot closer of a friend, and a bit of a mentor for me through the podcasting game. So that's Mark to me. Um, So Mark, welcome, and please introduce yourself further. Hello, thank you. Um, That's a very kind thing for you to say. I am not sure... I deserve the title of mentor. I just talk about shit what I like on the internet and hope people listen. <laughs> no, I mean, it's more than duty. Like, you've been really, really helpful and really kind to me, like, throughout m- me trying to find out what I'm trying to do <laughs> with everything, mm. like, between the two podcasts. Um, I think there's a lot of folk that have given podcasting a go during the last year because it's not been a particularly fun year and you can't leave your ass. Yeah. And I think my obsession with podcasts was always there but this year I went from two podcasts to many podcasts (laughs) so I mean that's why I knew you were the guy I wanted to speak to anyway is because I I felt it was only right to have you as part of this as well because considering like your journey and everything like that but we'll get to that so into the meat of it so what did you want to be when you grow up I wanted to be an English teacher that's fair. Like, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Like, um, I mean, I've already told the story, but like, um, I'll never forget. I think it was like the day before we broke up for our like A level kind of study leave and everything like that. My English teacher just turned to me and she said, "Steve, think about teaching. It's not as bad as I make it look." <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. That's the kind of teacher I would have liked to have been. I think. Yeah, no, she was very snarky, but really good. I, funny part is she once disappeared for six months. She she just said, I'll be right back. Like, which in the middle of a class, she said, I'll be right back. And we didn't see her for six months. Any idea where she went? Nope, no idea. <laughs> She's vanished. Brilliant. We had some supply Brilliant. teacher who was obsessed with The Office, and this was in the early days of The Office, like Ricky Gervais era. The and proper just... office, not the American one, you mean? <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, and like, but like, overly obsessed with it to the point of like, we're just like, sorry, can we actually do an English lesson? Or wow, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the level we were on. So, I mean, how old were you when you when you first thought about becoming an English teacher? Like, how was it presented to you? Was there an influence behind it? Well, I think it really was as simple as I really, really liked reading. I was what from the earliest of ages you know my my dad would kind of put a football at my feet and say kick it son and 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 I didn't want to kick it I just wanted to have a sit and a read (laughs) so from like the smallest of kids as soon as I was able to read I wanted to read and I they didn't really do reading ages when I was a kid but you know by the time I was 12 or 13 I was reading quite complex horror books that my Mum and dad would have been appalled I was reading if they knew what the fuck I was actually reading, you know? And, you know, I've read some really nasty shit and shit. And, you know, Stephen King, Dean Koontz, really kind of chilling stuff. But 12 or 13, I was doing that. 
And then I started just really, really enjoying my English lessons when they became more literature focused. Mm. I think I'd always wanted to be a teacher, but it was when I actually started to have English lessons that were English literature lessons rather than just this is how you read kind of English yeah, lessons yeah. <laughs> that um that I was like you can have a job that means you have to read and then you have to pass on that love of reading to other people that's the job for me yeah no I I think like had I really thought about it in that in that sense I've, it's probably something I would have pursued like my dad kind of wanted me to to be a teacher my brother's now a teacher like and considering he went to uni to do acting like and the mm. fact that he's now like a primary primary educator and stuff like I don't know it's it's not too late for me but it's it's I don't know <laughs> yeah and I think the I'm going to tell you a story about my obsession with reading I went to Centre Parks with my um, family for like a family holiday and um they'd got this three hole golf course they hadn't got a full golf course but they got three full holes of, of golf and um i wanted to stay at home and read <laughs> and my dad said no you're coming to the golf and when we got there i said to my dad dad i don't want to do this if you pay for me to do golf not only will i not enjoy it I will ruin your enjoyment. Yeah. All right, well, then you can just follow us around the course. <laughs> so I did follow them around the course, and they had to tell me when I was going to fall into a bunker because I was reading a book <laughs> as I followed them around the course. <laughs> I would sit there and read my book. They'd take their shots, and I'd follow them with the book in my hands. And, um, yeah, I think, <laughs> I think it was at that point that my dad probably realised Mark kind of moves to the beat of his own drum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible oh i love that story <laughs> so i mean when did, did your idea change at any point from being a teacher and if so like when so my dad and my, no it's not not fair to say my dad convinced me my dad was one of the influences but so were some of my teachers um but i was convinced that doing a uh, four-year pgce course wasn't the right way to go and that you wouldn't lose any time if you did a degree and then did a one-year postgrad PGCE. So I did um, a degree in English literature and language, and I loved it. I had three years where I could legitimately have a day a week where I didn't get out of bed and I just read books and I could meet all the other students in the kitchen in the evening and go, oh, I've worked ever so hard today having just literally sat and read a book <laughs> and you know it was the perfect degree course for me but the problem with degree courses in general is there's a certain term that um is very true of what i achieved at university and that that is um a 2-2 is a a drinker's degree and it was definitely that for me. So uh, my, my Desmond does not reflect my academic ability. It affects, it reflects the fact that I really liked going out and getting hammered. <laughs> I too am a Desmond, but I put part of that on, I didn't work hard enough on my actual dissertation. Oh, I definitely didn't work hard enough. I drank too much beer. <laughs> so yeah, after that, after my lovely Desmond, I um. I did get a place on a PGCE and unfortunately I was an excellent 
teacher when it came to actually working with children and being empathic and being in front of them with confidence and adaptability. What I wasn't very good at was pretty much everything else. Right. Yeah, Lesson yeah. plannings were not for me. The fact that the reality of teaching is people go, oh, they, you know, they, they only have half a day's work. No. No. Particularly if you're on a PGCE, the marking and the lesson planning a lot a lot of teachers will reuse lessons that they've used of course they will but when you're going in with zero lessons every single lesson you have to do you also have to write and not only do you have to write them you have to write them to a, a huge number of government dictated specific and it's just as yeah, I really, really struggled with how restrictive teaching actually was. And the workload was like the the most incredibly depressing thing. And I felt like I had no life. I felt like I was either working or pissed. <laughs> and that's not a good way to live your life. And the reason I felt like I was working or pissed was... As soon as I'd actually finished for, for the night, it was like half 10 mm. at night, every single night. And I'd go downstairs and see my housemates and I'd want a beer because I'd had enough of my day, you know? Yeah. And uh, Yeah, I lasted three months at that and um, quit. No, bless you. No, I mean, my brother's been like a teacher for a while now. like, it, And I think because he does find it a bit, especially in the early days, he found it very box ticking exercises rather than actually helping to develop these children exactly and, that yeah i mean now he's he's i don't know if he's still there but he was working in like a special needs class with like kids with special needs and things so he did have to tailor every lesson so there he found a bit more freedom it was mm. still very it was still a lot of work and and everything like that but he found a bit more freedom and enjoyment out of that in the end so i think as a 21 year old closeted gay man it was the wrong time to do something that intense there yeah. was a lot on my mind as well a lot that was distracting me and the amount of time that i had to put into the job wasn't healthy at that point in my life yeah yeah no i could i could 100 percent understand that i can absolutely empathize with that entirely like if so the first if, time i've ever really talked about it in this way i mean i think my dad was heartbroken for me because he'd seen the last 10 years of my life being focused on getting where I'd got. And within three months, it had all gone to shit and I was unemployed and I was back living with them and I had no idea what I wanted to do. But I absolutely made the right decision for my own mental health. You know, I was never going to come out of that year healthy. Yeah, yeah, I think it's well, it would have been an absolute make or break, wouldn't it? And probably by the sounds of it, it sadly did go to break. It tried to break. It did. <laughs> I think, I think what I'm trying to get at without, I don't want this to really be a sad story. I would just want to make, I, I guess I just want to suggest to people that yes, you may get what you want, you may get to where you wanted to be, but if you get there, and it ends up 
what you want after all, that's okay. And it is better to have a go at something and fail and look after yourself. You know, there's lots of stuff about self-care at the moment because we're all locked up. And I believe this self-care thing, it might be a little bit hippy-dippy, but there's a difference between hippy-dippy too many baths with bath salts and actually taking a step back or looking at what you're doing and seeing if it's damaging you. And if it is, cut that shit out. And that's what I did. And that was hard at 21 when I got no idea what else I wanted to do. And it felt like my world had collapsed 21 years in. And that's just, I look back now and I'm like, you're a melodramatic fucking kid. (laughs) But at the time, it was my entire world. And I was like, well, what do I do with my life now? And I've done all right since. Yeah. You know, not what I wanted to be when I was 10. And that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and I think there is that pressure on yourself and like you kind of, especially when you do start to get a sense of the world at, you know, 10, 11, 12, and you think, right, I'm going to be a teacher or whatever. And suddenly when you get it, you don't know what to do with it or it becomes too much. And suddenly, as you say, like your world kind of delves in on itself and, and mm. suddenly and suddenly you've got to rethink half your life again. Well, almost. At, the, at a similar time, my dad had a car crash where oh God. Um, we weren't sure whether or not he was going to be able to drive again. Mm. And the only job that I could think of that I could do after quitting the, the PGCE was, could I be my dad's chauffeur? So I was nearly a chauffeur just by pure kind of coincidence of both my dad and me having a shit time. <laughs> hey whatever works in the in the in the meantime like so i mean obviously we're not doing the teaching anymore but is it an idea you'd maybe ever revisit honestly no and the reason for that is the elements of teaching that i loved i get from scouting yeah i don't have any of the restrictions really because it's completely extracurricular and it's designed kind of like as a i hate this term but i'm going to use it university of life type um activities where you know you're not going to learn how to make a fire at school you'll learn how to cook but you won't learn how to cook on an open fire and you know all the kind of stuff that is useful but not considered national curriculum is the kind of stuff that i can get all right that's what i'm going to teach kids and um i i get all, all i wanted from teaching by being a scout leader couple of hours a week that's a lie a couple of hours with the kids a week many hours a week when it comes to prep and stuff yeah but it's just i'm a firm believer that you can have all the money in the world and give it to all the charities in the world but the real generosity is when you give your time yeah, and i got no money so i haven't got any money to give but if I can give my time to um, my scouts, my Explorer scouts, and um, they can learn whilst actually having a good time, and I can spend time with young people like I would have done as a teacher, that's that's more than enough for me. That's better. And I yeah. think taking a step back again, looking at what I was actually looking for from teaching, that's what I get from scouting. Perfect. Yeah, no, that's absolutely it. Absolutely ideal for you. So in that regard, then, so what would you tell your younger self about when they grow up? 
<laughs> I don't think it would be anything to do with the the job. I think little Mark has got to go through university and then fucking up the uh, PGCE. I think he has to go through that to become this Mark. So I wouldn't dissuade him from it, I don't think. Yeah. Um, I might, might try and convince him to come out a little bit earlier so that I could have like university shagging rather than <laughs> university staying in and pretending I liked girls when all my mates knew. Um, I, yeah, I think maybe the advice would be be confident in who you are sooner, I think. Yeah, I think that. I and, think that's... and then he could take it however he wanted. He could be, I don't know. It, it could be that he tells people about his addiction to, to books or he gets tattoos earlier or he comes out earlier. But I think be yourself sooner rather than what you think people want you to be is probably the best advice I could give little Mark. I think that's just good advice in general, like not just for yourself, but for everyone, really. Like, be, you know, find find you. And once you do accept that, that that's you or at least a part of you that you can grasp to. And, you, and as you say, you can start making the life decisions a bit sooner. Yeah, yeah. But so with that in mind, I want to thank Mark for joining me for this conversation and especially for their time. And please, Mark, this is over to you now. Feel free to plug anything and everything you want, be it personal, professional or other causes and personal investments. I do have a lot of podcasts, <laughs> so I will go through those very quickly. But before I do, I actually really quite like my job that I have now. I'm a humanist celebrant. I've got my own business, which means that I write and deliver non-religious naming, wedding and funeral ceremonies for people. If that is something you think that you might be interested in, have a little look at my website. It's, and I always add the www when you don't have to, so I'm not going to. <laughs> it's humanist.org.uk forward slash Mark Adams, M-A-R-K-A-D-A-M-S. But if you want to hear more of me blithering on that there internet, I've got many podcasts I'm on a B-movie podcast called Super Tat Film Club at Tat Club on Twitter. I'm on a podcast about two fellas who are opposite ends of millennial looking at their kids' telly. That's right in the childhood at RITC pod on Twitter. I'm on a deep dive Red Dwarf podcast where we look at each episode individually. That's at Red Dwarf pod on Twitter. And that's called Shipwrecked and Comatose. And if you're interested in my celebrant work, I do also have a podcast called Life's Milestones based around that. And that's at Life's Milestones on Twitter. And finally, I'm launching a new one because, you know, bored in lockdown. And so I like tattoos. I've got a lot of them. And um, so I'm going to do like a short form podcast about tattoos where I ask people to tell me the story behind a tattoo that they pick. That's at Ink Stories on Twitter, and a certain gentleman might be a guest on that. I wonder who that might be. <laughs> <laughs> and to all you lovely folks listening, you can find us on Twitter at When We Grow Pod. Join me next time as I step back into the time machine with another guest and we find out what they want to be when they grow up. Mm -hmm.